Welcome to Genius Leadership, Overcoming Everything podcast. Join me every week for insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders about their roller coaster ride to leading from their zone of genius. I'm your host, Anna Lieben, and before we kick off, let me invite you to a complimentary strategy call where during 30 minutes we work on identifying your zone of genius and lay out a plan for you to stay in that zone as much as possible. Schedule the call via link in the show notes. And for now, let's take a ride together. Hey, Genius Leader, I'm happy you're tuning in for another episode of the show. Today, I'm talking to Jennifer Takagi, an executive leadership and communication coach who teaches leaders how to play well at work so that they can drive better performance from people they lead, increase profitability, and create a purposeful workplace where people want to come and play productively. Jennifer has traveled and trained leaders for over 30 years across the U.S., and she's seen a lot of people, as she says, frustrated people. There seemed to be some disconnect between the leaders and the people whom they were leading, and she got on a mission of changing that and really turning those cubicle cells, as she says, into a playground where everyone can have fun, feel fulfilled, and bring value in a playful way. And she is really on a mission to connect people and fill that gap of lack of training for for the managers on how to be the good leaders. So I invited Jennifer because she has she, she works in a similar space than me. And we talked a lot about her own journey on being in different working environments and experiencing different leadership styles on herself as a receiver. And how one of the experiences was in a very toxic environment where the leader was bringing a lot of fear and feeling of guilt into her people. And that's where we discussed how often, even if it's not ourselves, and it's obviously someone else who is disruptive and toxic, quite often we take that on ourselves and start beating ourselves up for not being good enough, not doing enough. And those kind of things bring a lot of guilt. And that's what Jennifer had to face at some point. She was waking up in the middle of the night, feeling anxious about going to work the next day. And that's when she decided that it shouldn't be that way. And she seeked help. We discussed a lot about that, seeking help, both short-term and long-term. For example, for her, in her case, use the medication, light medication to decrease those anxiety attacks so that you can create resources in yourself and the energy to work on the issue in the long term and create a long-term solution. And how at the same time she did work on the long-term solution by going to a counselor who was offered by their uh, workplace to get some tools and techniques on how to handle the situations when you are in a toxic environment and you might not be the choosing part or you're not going to be in a position of uh, changing it completely, the whole situation. And we talk about the power of changing situation for yourself or your reaction and your attitude towards the situation. Jennifer gives the example of what turned the whole situation around for her when she tapped into why is she in that workplace? And she realized that she actually can leave, but it's her choice not to do so. And she wrote down all the reasons why it's she is choosing to stay in that place despite the toxic managerial relationship that she had. And we talk about that, how that has changed her attitude and her commitment to the work 
for the remaining years in that workplace. So I really want you to take a couple of those things from our conversation with Jennifer about the importance of seeking help, about not thinking that short-term solutions are mutually exclusive with the long-term ones. And it's good to have both and work on both and how important it is to tap into your why. This is the red thread for a lot of our podcasts here. Whether you're doing the digital transformation, you're going through the diversity and inclusion transformation in your organization, or when you, whether you're trying to find a healthy attitude towards your workplace when it might not be ideal. Tap into your why, find it, list it, write it down with physical pen on a physical paper and remind yourself of those things every single day. I hope you'll find inspiration and power and some practical tools from this conversation to take with you into your everyday life. Enjoy, and as usual, let me know what you think. Jennifer, warmest welcome to Genius Leadership Show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm excited to to turn the tables around, <laughs> the chairs around the table, right? Because I was already on your show, um, New Media Manager, uh, New Manager Media. And um, I enjoyed the conversation there and I'm looking forward to sharing your knowledge and your spirit with my uh, audience as well. Oh, well, I'm I'm excited to um, interact with other people. I think this is my first across the pond mm-hmm. podcast interview. I've had Canada, but never across the pond. Happy premiere. This show is actually a, a lot of first timers for many people in different ways. Some For some, it's the first interview for them as a leader. Uh, for you, it's across the pond. So we're expanding your geography, which is also exciting. And talking about the pond, guys, I hope that this uh, interview will be recorded fine. But just in the pre-chat, I shared with Jennifer that we are having indications of a possible volcano eruption within a couple of hours. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> That's what living on our little island in the middle of Atlantic brings to us. <laughs> a bit of a let's d- set the intention. It's going to be fine. <laughs> it will be fine in any case. Um, this well, country is really good at handling the the nature. Yeah, forces. So Jennifer, I really love your attitude towards leadership as the playground, and we're going to talk about that. But to start with. Can you talk uh, about what is leadership to you and who is a leader? Ooh, good question. Well, the first thing I want to say is a leader, it's an attitude, it's an aura, it's a way of being. And many people have a management position, but they're not necessarily good leaders. And the difference between a manager and a leader, a manager manages tasks And a leader leads people. And in my career for various points in time, I was the manager person. But the whole time I worked in corporate and government, I was always a leader. And, And it was how I held myself. It was how I inspired other people. It was how I could help talk friends off the rails when, you know, new changes came into play. So a leader is... It, it encompasses a persona and anybody who's listening that's not in an official management position, just know you're being watched and you're probably a leader already. And you probably were one in the sandbox. Mm, yeah, that's definitely the case. And that's what I'm teaching my audience about and my clients that you, uh, no matter what your position is, you are leading at least yourself, but also the people around you. And you don't have to have an official position to, to be doing that. 
it's just the nature of our relationships as humans. Yeah. So you talked about that you have been a manager and quite often the managers are not necessarily can be good leaders. So tell us the your experience with what is lacking? What is that gap between becoming a manager and being a good leader? So for me, uh, when I started as a manager, I was very young in my career and I worked for a very progressive company. And every quarter they would take all of their managers. Most of us were new and we were like the first line supervisors, not the directors. They had their own meetings, but the first line supervisors Because we were a very new company, they took us to a local community college and they had set up a quarterly training. And it was either two days or three days each quarter because they wanted their frontline supervisors to be the best and be groomed and ready when it was time to move up. What I learned in that experience is that that was new and different. And most organizations did not adopt that type of investment in their supervisors. So the one thing that I noticed a lot was somebody would be really good at their job, at a technical job, at a journeyman level job, and they could lead themselves really pretty well in being a contributor to their division, department, section, whatever it's called in their organization. And they were really good at that. But because they were good at that, they were promoted into a management position. But just because they could contribute well didn't mean that they could manage or lead well. So again, you have to manage tasks, lead people. They typically are really do a good job at learning what tasks to manage. But that piece of inspiring the team to do it with as little grumbling as possible And having them understand the vision and the why is not always an easy transition. Yeah. I think that's what you're working with, right? From your description, or both from your podcast and from your webpage and our discussions, that you help those new managers be better leaders and get to that level of leading people and not only managing the tasks. So what has your experience been? How have you developed your methodology, your approach to helping these managers to be leaders and be good leaders. And let's talk about the playground here. Why playground <laughs> instead of the office, uh, office cubicles or cubicle cells, as you say? Well, my mom was a pretty hilarious woman. And I ended up following my dad's footsteps and I worked in housing for many years. And for several years, we worked for the same federal government agency. And back in the day, the office had luncheons and the spouses were invited and they would come. And in, in those days, many of the, when my mom, especially when my dad started, my mom didn't work outside the home. So anytime they had a luncheon or a gathering, my mom always attended. And one year we were at an office picnic. And by this point, I was working there too. We're at an office picket, picnic, they'd have a softball game and Everybody would bring drinks and food. It was a, like a potluck luncheon outside. It was beautiful. Always a lot of fun. And my mom would look around and say, where's Anna? And my dad would look around and say, well, she's not here. Well, where's such and such? So the people that my mom knew, she would start asking about. And my dad would go, well, I don't see him. You know, obviously they're not here. 
and should say, well, I want you to put does not play well with others on their annual review because they should have been here to play with me because I came. And so it just kind of became a a joke within my family of you need to play well with others. Because of course, again, you learn that on the playground, you need to play well with others. And so when I was um, putting my business together and my words and my language, because, you know, of course your website should be a reflection of you. So people know what they're getting. It was like, you know, I want to teach people to play well with each other and the office to feel more like a playground and less like a prison because so many of us dreaded going to work. I had a boss at one point that it got so bad because she was truly and is an evil person. I would wake up in the middle of the night with an anxiety attack that I had to go to work the next day. So when I was able to leave that situation, it was like, it shouldn't be like that. It, it, you should, you should want to go to work. You should have fun. You should know that you're providing value to your client base, whomever your clients or customers are. And it, it shouldn't be that way. And so Also, I like to have fun. I like to crack jokes. I'm extremely irreverent in many situations. And I just, I was working with a copywriter and it was like, you know, that just kind of encompasses me that I'm not going to be really good in the straight laced, um, no room for conversation or levity. So it just kind of fit. Yeah. And it, it does resonate with me when I listen to your podcast, because you are great at telling stories that people can relate to and actually learn from instead of giving some kind of very theoretical frameworks to work with and those kind of things. So it's great that you're staying authentic and true to yourself. And I want to point out one thing here. You said that you were in that toxic environment with a manager who was bringing you anxiety, waking you up in the middle of the night. And you said that you have seen that it's, it shouldn't be this way when you get out of the situation. When you were in the middle of the situation, in the eye, kind of eye of that storm, how did it feel then? And what what the thought, what were the thoughts that were going through your head? Well, a lot of guilt, because when you're in a situation like that, you feel like you must be letting everybody down and you're causing it to happen, even though you're not. But you feel like you do. You you feel like you're obviously not doing it right. And there was one moment that was just completely pivotal. And that's when, you know, I sought out help and I'll, I'll be happy to share that too. But I realized I started acting like her and I became more short fused and I became less tolerant. And when you see behavior all the time, you start to emulate it. And the last thing in the world I wanted was to be her. Like, you know, oh my God, strike me dead now because I I don't want to be this woman. And so uh, just, I I don't know if it's true, but, you know, again, being lighthearted and levity, I made an appointment with the doctor and I went in and I can hold it together really well, no matter what the situation typically. And I went in and I said, I need Xanax. And he goes, why do you need Xanax? And I said, I just can't cope. All my girlfriends pop them like Tic Tacs. I think that's the answer to my problems. I need Xanax. And he looked at me and he said, well, they're highly addictive. I hope your friends aren't eating them like Tic Tacs and there are better choices. And I was like, okay. And so he turned on his stool with his back to me and started taking notes. 
about everything I was saying. He's typing on the computer and he's putting it all on my chart. And he turns around and I'm bawling. I mean, just tears are just pouring down my face. I'm not a crier. I mean, I'm like, I have friends who cry at commercials. Okay. That's not me. It's not that I don't feel it. I just don't cry. And I'm just bawling. And he said, this is what you call situational anxiety. Mm-hmm. You're not suffering from depression. I'm not an anxiety ridden person overall, but just talking about the situation has just thrown you into a panic attack. Mm-hmm. And we've got some very mild pills that will help with that. It can take a couple of weeks. And I was like, okay. And I got the pills and this was like on a Tuesday or Wednesday, kind of early in the week, start taking the pills And I'm really anti that, or I was at the time. Now I'm a huge proponent. Friday morning, I get to work. I sit down and I'm not there five minutes. And I have three people lined up at my desk with problems. Normally, I would have started feeling very anxious. And why is everybody all over me? And I sat there very calmly. And I was like, this is what you need to do on that. Okay, go away. All right, this is how we're going to handle this. Okay, perfect. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, that looks great. Thanks. I'll I'll get it sent off. And it hit me that I handled three situations that I could have taken very differently, very calmly. So once I got on a little bit of medication to take the edge off, that was very helpful. And then I went and saw a counselor and she said, you know, to be treated like that, you're really in a special situation because you're treating her like a normal person and behaving like that is not normal. So let's teach you some skills so that you don't keep putting yourself in this situation. So after meeting with her, I think it was three times I was like, yeah, okay, I I can do this. <laughs> like, cause I had no idea how many more years I would be, you know, working for her. Um, I had choices, which I'm a big proponent of. I have a, a book called Address the Stress. And one of them is one of the tips or strategies is really look at why you work where you work. I was not going to leave because of the benefits I would get when I left if I stayed long enough. (laughs) And I had been there so many years, I wasn't going to lose my benefits because of one person. So that helped me reframe it. So I didn't feel like I was forced to stay. It was a choice. It was a choice. I choose to say because I will have in in America, it's a big deal to have health insurance. And if I didn't stay until they allowed me to leave based on my years of service, I would lose health insurance. And that was just too big. I wasn't going to lose it. So when you're in those situations where you really are being abused, you need to reach out to the medical profession and the mental health profession to get a grip on it, a grasp on it. My friends, bless their hearts, they heard all, and my husband, they heard all the horror stories. And I know in their head, they were thinking, why doesn't she just walk away? But you can't always just walk away. So then it's, okay, I am in this prison cell. How am I going to make it the best prison cell ever? So then my last few years were substantially better. <laughs> What a, what a powerful story, Jennifer. And I think I want to tap into several things here. First one, how you've taken on guilt or about or from the flaws of the others on you, right? When you're in the middle of the situation, you really tap into like, what's my wrong 
part here or what am I doing wrong? Where am I not enough? And it's so important to realize that sometimes or quite often it's not on you. And I teach my clients to actually go through the irritations and the fears and, and look at, okay, what is my part in this situation? And it's not to put the blame on, but actually to take the power of what is in your hands. And that's what you've done as well through seeking help, through getting the tools from your from the coach to, to address the situations with that manager of yours. And also through turning it around and seeing like, okay, why is this my choice? Because I can leave theoretically, but I'm choosing not to. So what is that why? And tapping into that. So it's, it's very powerful to do all those things. So think about that you don't don't need to be alone on that journey. Seek help, and it can be medical help. What you said, and it doesn't mean that you you're giving up or you are weak. It's actually a huge sign of strength to seek for help or to ask for help. And we had a conversation with one of my clients at some point when she said, like, okay, I have these particular situations in the work, and I'm really escaping them physically. So she was avoiding the days of work when those situations were happening. So she would work from home to not meet the person who is coming in the office. Let's let's generalize it that way. And she said, like, I feel so weak about that. And like, we, we were working on her relationship with that person and discussing her attitude towards that and the tools that she can use to be less affected in a negative way by that situation with that person. And she said, like, but I'm just escaping. And I'm like, no, you are preserving yourself. You are helping yourself while we are building your strength and we are educating you in those tools that you will use for the rest of your life in similar situations, not only in this one, you still need to keep the sanity and you need to, to stay healthy. And this way of handling the situation is helping you in the short term. So the one is not excluding the other. Well, you might be working with a coach or a therapist on educating yourself and getting practice with those tools that can help you with stressful situations. Seek the medical help if that is what you think you might need and seek how they can help you in the short term so that you actually start getting those extra resources to handle the situations in a better way and to learn. Because when you are in that pre-depressed state, it's very difficult to focus on learnings, to really get those tools sink in and to react on time. So you are really clearing up some or clearing up some or freeing up some energy for yourself to get in that learning and to integrate it in your life and in the practice in your work situation. So yeah, seek help, uh, both long-term and short-term and also tap into your why. We discuss it quite often on this show, right? It, wh- whether it's digital transformation, whether it's diversity and inclusion initiatives in your company, or it's your choice of staying in the workplace or choose uh, changing it. Tap into the why. Why are you doing as an organization or as a department or as a human being, why are you doing what you're doing? And as when you remind yourself that on the daily, that's what, you, what I hear, Jennifer, that you were doing for those last years in that workplace, that you were reminding yourself about, okay, I'm here for this reason. It wasn't like you've done it once and then you forgot about it. No, you were practicing tapping into that all the time and getting the energy and shifting your focus on that positive part of this choice of yours all the time. Absolutely. And a, a colleague of mine, we would go on break together and he was in a, we worked in the same division, different jobs, different halves. And he was struggling with a coworker and his immediate supervisor. 
And I said, you need to call. We had a, a employee assistance programs where you can go see a counselor two or three times to just kind of get perspective. And I said, you need to call. And I kept telling him and telling him and telling him. And finally, one day he looked at me and he goes, why should I get help when they're the one with the problem? Valid question. And my response was because they go to sleep at night and sleep all night and you don't. And since you're the one not sleeping, you need to figure this out because they're good that they're not holding up their end of the of the workload. And you need to figure out how to do that. And I'm not the one to tell you. So the other way I put it is sometimes you need to talk to somebody that you don't sleep with, you don't eat lunch with, and that you're not friends with because you need somebody who is completely third party separate because they have a whole new perspective on it that when you're in the middle of it, you just can't always get. Yeah, those perspectives are so valuable and it's so important to get them just to to lift your gaze and get out of the situation and see it from outside. Uh, yes. Thank you for the tip and for sharing it. When you talked about the like that those people who are affecting negatively your colleague, uh, how they get to sleep at night, I came to me um, then comparison that my uh, coach Mia Turnblum or she's not my coach but she was one of the guests on the show uh, she is saying that those people they are tenants in your head and a they don't know that they're living in your head and b they don't even pay the rent for that so think about it that way you are given space in your brain and the capacities that you can use for something better in your life to someone meaning that you're giving away your power to them and they don't even need know that that, that power is in their hands so it's it's a waste of it because they're not using it, but also not neither do you. Well, and the most shocking thing this counselor therapist said to me in my three little visits with her was, Jennifer, she is literally not laying awake in bed at night trying to destroy your life. She doesn't even think of you. And I went, what? What do you mean she's not thinking of me? I know she's laying awake at night trying to irritate me. And she goes, no, I'm so sorry, but she, you never enter her mind. And that's the same thing with the tenants in your head. They don't know they're living there. They're not paying rent. I love that um, analogy. I'm going to have to use that. <laughs> I love that. To do that. Yeah, I love it as well. It, it just so visual in a way, and it gets many things clear. Yeah. Yeah. So Clarity is everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And those visual parts. Um, share us with us what you are doing with your clients and how do you help them turn those prison cells of the cubicles into the playground? Well, the the one thing I, I have several programs going. I have a one-on-one -on -one coaching program and then I have a, a longer term six-month group program. And we're really diving into how to build a great team. And like you say, you have to start with yourself. If you don't know yourself and lead yourself well, that can be a problem. And so we dive into some of that and, and then just move forward through that. Like you have to take care of yourself before you move forward. And so I just, I'm, I'm a lifelong learner. I'm a course junkie. I sign up for everything. My CPA doesn't necessarily like that on my tax returns because I'm just always signing up for another training program. But I love to take all the things I've learned through the various programs, various courses, and kind of put it together and tell it in my story. Because one of the most powerful things you can do with your clients is relate to them through stories of your experiences. Because then they're like, oh, 
I'm not the only one. And the worst thing that we can do as human beings is isolate ourselves and not let anybody know what's going on or reach out. And so I just think it's really important to open those conversations and continue them. My podcast, like you said, is New Manager Media, Manage Right from the Start, because I feel like so many people are promoted because of their technical skills for their job, but they don't have the leadership skills to interact with other people because that's that's what it's all about is interacting with other people, having the communication skills. You hurt someone's feelings and, oh my gosh, you didn't even mean to. and it's just kind of bringing that all together. And so that they have the confidence because you get the job and then you're like, Oh, look at mom. I got promoted. Well, now what do I do? So I I just love to um, help build their skills and their confidence so that they can walk into the office confidently every single day or fire up their computer in the midst of a pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. We always need to add that nowadays, right? (laughs) The office is looking a bit differently, but yes. I love it what you're doing. And it's so important to have people like you who who are supporting the managers to, to be those leaders, because we know the statistics that way too few managers are getting leadership training when they get to lead people. And that means that we are really not, not equipping our smart engineers to actually stay in the zone of genius when they're promoted. And that's uh, another question I would like to ask you, like when, when those amazing tech people come to you because they were promoted to the leadership positions. Where do you start with them? Like what are those lowest hanging fruit that our genius leaders tuning in can also uh, take into their practice and think like, okay, this is something they actually can do (laughs) and start with that to lead in a better way. Well, I think the first thing to understand is your Conflicts with other people and your communication breakdowns are usually because you have different personality types, different behavioral types. And what you really need to embrace with both arms and a bear hug is that you need that person that appears to be your opposite. So for me and my behavior and how I, you know, operate naturally following the rules and being really big into compliance is really not a thing for me. Like I've taken several personality tests and I I can't do well in that category. (laughs) However, throughout my career, I really excelled at it because I need the accolades. I need someone to say, yeah, that's a great job. Look at this. Let's give her an outstanding on her year in review. And I need that person who is, super compliant and they might be very irritating to me initially, but I need them. So if you're the person, you're a very tech oriented person, you're very much into compliance, right? Because if all the X's and O's aren't lined up properly, it's not going to work, right? It's not going to happen. You need someone like me who can be the cheerleader for your team when there's a change. Because you may not be the best one to get up and cheer everybody along, but you can get me on board to do it. Likewise, you need the customer service support. Well, those are the people who really like policies and procedures, and they really like writing them and following them. You need those people. And so I think looking at 
how you respond to things versus how somebody else that you're now managing responds can really be extremely valuable so that you can tap into their skills and use them to the best. It's their natural talent and you get the benefit of it because it may not be yours. Mm, yeah, that's that's for sure. And that's the thing, like you don't have to become this perfect leader uh, from all the, like all, by all the textbooks yourself. And I, I have a lot of these conversations and I see them more and more coming to the public on LinkedIn, for example, about the founders who step up from the CEO role in their companies because they're, they're, it's draining for them. It's unhealthy for their mental health, for their mental well-being, and it's also unhealthy for the companies. And this is also a very bold and very brave step to do when you are creating this baby of yours, the company, and you have this vision for where do you want to go with it. But you see like, okay, the CEO role is not what I... I am best at to get this company to this vision. So they might step down and just be the CEO and have some, or the, the founder and have some other role in the company, but they find someone who will be better at leading people uh, on the operational and leadership way as a CEO. So it's, it's really about having this courage to look very honestly at what are you enjoying? What is your zone of genius? And thinking like, okay, what is the gap between my role right now or my career as I see it at the moment? And what is my zone of genius? And if you see, okay, those are the skills that I can add on and still enjoy and stay within my zone of genius, then yeah, you can develop in that way and continue that career path. But if you see like, okay, those just go two completely different ways, then find the way to get back to your zone of genius and find this other career path because it's not linear anymore. And it's not even this jungle gym anymore, right? It's not about the career ladder. It's not about the jungle gym anymore. I feel like it's a completely different story nowadays. And you're changing in careers and industries and roles so many times in, in your lifetime. And it's okay. So yes, it is okay. <laughs> Jennifer, I would like to wrap up with three questions. First ah. one, yeah, those I always ask my, my guests. <laughs> One is more like um, general. So what would be your three pieces of advice to the genius leaders tuning in? And it can be both about career, their leadership, or life in general. Uh, So probably the most important thing is, even if you feel like today you did not do a good job, you have tomorrow to do better. Mm -hmm. Because we feel like I, I handled that situation with my employee poorly. So... I'm a failure. I'm never going to get better and just let it go and do better tomorrow. The second one would be embrace being a lifelong learner because we don't, we don't arrive at our position and then stay stagnant. We have to keep learning and keep growing. And if you're really, really good in the tech world, that's awesome, but now you need a different skill set. So consider some of the management trainings, a lot of books. I'm really big on audiobooks and and be a lifelong learner, learn those skills. And you may not be able to achieve work-life balance. So find a way to achieve work-life integration so that you don't lose your family, your friends, the things that are important to you as you move up in your career and build your legacy. I love those, Jennifer. Thanks a lot for sharing. I'm jotting down the notes. Uh, The 
one practical tip of uh, tip for our listeners that they can actually go and implement or each day after listening to this episode? Spend 15 minutes and consider one person that you think has influenced you the most in leadership and start listing the qualities that they demonstrate. And this is kind of like, it's one thing, but it's all (laughs) separate steps. And then consider how you can build those qualities in yourself. I love it. And and as you said, it's been 15 minutes. It doesn't have to be longer than that, but just really sitting down, giving yourself space, take a cup of tea or coffee, whatever you like, or uh, a stronger drink in the evening on Friday night. And just think about like who, who has shaped me as a leader and as the person whom I am, Uh, what in them has helped me being shaped this way and just start brainstorming like, okay, how can I get there? I, I love the tip. Thanks so much. And lastly, if people want to get more of you, if they want to con- connect with you to work, uh, to get you into their companies as the being that cheerleader, how can they find you? <laughs> well, my website is takagiconsulting.com. <clears throat> so there's a contact form on there. My podcast is New Manager Media, Manage Right from the Start. And you can find that on most uh, podcast outlets. Mm-hmm. And if they want to email me directly, it's jennifer at takagiconsulting.com. Easy. We'll put all those links in the show notes. And I also add the uh, address the stress book link uh, that you've mentioned during the, um, our interview and then our conversation uh, to the show notes as well so that people can uh, tap that and get more of the knowledge that you've shared. Yeah, I have three books um, listed on my website, actually, with the links for them. They're ebooks or printed, whatever. So, yeah, thank you so much for that. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for sharing your knowledge and your inspiration. You have amazing stories that really bring light to some of the issues that managers are having. So, thanks a lot for doing that. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you so much. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in for yet another episode of Genius Leadership. And see you next Wednesday. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Genius Leadership. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button to not miss an episode. And to help more people become even better leaders, rate and review our podcast and share it with your communities. Remember, I'm always here for you. And I'm happy to connect with you on LinkedIn or via email or hop on a strategy call. Genius Leadership is an honest conversation about leading yourself and others. And it's my honor to be your guide in overcoming everything.